for it, Mr. Wilder. It's time. Ooh. Oh, praise the Lord. That's okay. No, we're good. I'll start us. That's all right. Hey, I don't know. You got something? <laughs> Amen. Good morning, everybody. Whoa. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord in heaven and earth. Come on, Tom, huh? Isn't it incredible? Just unbelievable. When we experience the physical manifestation of his glory filling the temple, you can sense his glory. But can you imagine the day that we see equal to that which is written when the glory filled the temple and they all laid prostrate upon the floor and everyone knew that God was appearing. God was here. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, John. Come on in, John. The water's fine. Yeah, it's just about it's just about right here, John. Another 10, 15 minutes, we might just be submerged, I'm hoping. Submerged in his glory on huh? that river of life. Good morning, you two beautiful people. Thank you so much for last week. Your voice, your union, speaking in your song, who you are, who we are. Amen. How do we compare to that, Sean? Words don't compare to his glory. What do you think, Hermine? Should we bring chairs to sit on? <laughs> or are we just going to be prostrate on the floor? <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't you love Hermine's hair? I love that. I love her hats, but I also love to see her hair. She's got some awesome color. Amen. <laughs> that must be the glory. Doesn't she look like uh, like the female Moses that went to the burning bush? And she's got that glory all over, and her hair's silver. Isn't that cool? It's got nothing to do with age. Right, Hermine? It's got, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with age. It's all about the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Let's, let's worship the Lord. The presence, the presence of the Lord is just incredible. Now, for those of you who were with us last week online, uh, forgive us. We didn't have any part in it, but with Facebook right now, if there, we have uh, CCLI, which we pay for all of the uh, songs that are available to be played online. So we pay every year to be able to do that. So apparently there are still a few songs that Facebook won't acknowledge. So what happens is, is we begin our service, and as so, soon as one of those songs that they either don't like or they don't allow us to play, they shut the whole thing down. So for those of you who were online last week, forgive us. So what we're going to try to do is a little bit something different. We're going to kind of watch as the uh, worship progresses. And then if there's something that Facebook does to remove that, what we're going to try and do is go after the song, and then we're going to try to re-engage into our Facebook Live until it can become live so we can get around whatever they think they're trying to do or hoping to do or want to do. Right, Sean? Because we, we want to be a part of your life as you're a part of ours. And we want you to be able to experience and see the very things, this family that you're all a part of. Amen. So shall we worship the Lord? Let's stand and worship the Lord. Father, I just thank you. You are always here before we even come into this sanctuary, Lord. Your presence is always preparing a way for us. And all we have to do is surrender. Come underneath surrender to the presence of your Holy Spirit. We have communion with your Holy Spirit. We're in union, Holy Spirit, with you, and we thank you for leading and guiding us. We're not just singers of songs, but we worship our Father in spirit and in truth. And we're one voice. We're one heart. We're an aroma that's very distinct because all of these living, living epistles, these living stones 
create a fragrance that the Father recognizes and acknowledges in the midst of all of the body of Christ, the remnant, the called out ones, the church of the firstborn. Good to see you. Amen. You ready to worship? Just yield your heart this morning. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
So
just wanted to share during worship, um, the Lord reminded me of something he showed me last night. I didn't sleep well last night. I was up a lot. I was up most of the night, actually. And I was praying all night long. I could hear myself saying prayers for different people, for different family members and friends and our pastors in the body of Christ. And I remember Deb Kerwin shared one time that she asked the Lord if she could see his face. In this past year, I've asked the Lord if he would show me his face. And so I was praying and I heard him say, which face do you want to see? And at first I didn't understand. Then he, he showed me a picture of his face with the thorns around his head. The blood was dripping. It was dripping down his face. And he reminded me that that's how much he loves me. That's how much he loves you. He gave his life and he shed his blood on Calvary. Praise God, then he rose again. And he reminded me that his blood paid for all my sins. And he reminded me that his blood was so holy that his blood has a voice. And he reminded me that his blood heals me. And that blood, that same blood heals you. It heals you too. His blood was enough for me and it was enough for you. It is enough today. And later on, I said, Lord, I, I still would like to see your face. And I really believe he said, you will see my face glorified. You're going to see my face glorified. So I just wanted to share that today because it was the second vision that he gave me of his face with the thorns. And this time that we're in, it's just so precious. The purification that we're in, the cleansing, and just the love the love of the father, the love of his son. And later in the, um, toward morning, he, he, he said, it was so hard for me. He said, but to give my son. And he said, could you picture giving your son 
any of you that have a son, could you picture giving your son in him walking and carrying that cross? And I just, my heart just wept because I realized what a sacrifice. Jesus, the perfect ultimate lamb of God. And I really could appreciate at a different level just the love that he has for his body, that he has for the church, that he has for his bride, that he was flogged, and that they they pushed the, the thorn of crowns into his head and they spit on him. And I could see everything happening almost like in real time, in like a vision. And I was just broken before the Lord. I just kept saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the blood that you shed for me. Thank you that you rose three days later. And praise be to God that you love us that much that we now can see you in eternity for all of eternal life with you. Amen. So be encouraged today. I know that was kind of heavy, but really the ultimate message is he loves us so much. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, that your glory would fill the earth. Father, as we prepare this time, we've seen the days of Passover coming. Father, let that be a place in our hearts and those that we have relationship with and everywhere we go, Father. That with that invitation, a reminder, a reminder of eternal life, and that, Father, which you have provided through your Son, Jesus. So, Jesus, be glorified this morning. Father, I thank you for overriding the uh, sound system. We know that, Father, that you have gone out beyond these walls, this valley, this state of these nations, Father. There'll be an impact of your presence, of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Mr. Wilder. Passover's approaching so quickly, so rapidly. Uh, for the last week or so, I've been thinking about all the events of Passover, you know. Passover being the day, right, that they were, um, that the people were to take the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lentils, and that the death angel would pass over, and the types and the shadows of what that event was, speaking of a future day speaking of a future time and um, thinking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread that followed Passover and all that it meant uh, with just the miraculous 
signs that God performed uh, in bringing the people bondage and out of a place of captivity, out of a place of discouragement and depression. And I was thinking um, just so much about the types and the shadows of that day and how they're playing out in this day. And um, he said to remember those days always. As he, as he said in Exodus chapter 12, um, so this day shall be to you a memorial that you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all generations. And so the miracles that were done and the mighty hand of the Lord in uh, promising to accomplish everything that he accomplished, uh, he wanted us to remember that through all generations for a reason. Not that it was a past, some past historic event, right? A few thousand years ago that we are taught and we have knowledge of, but he wanted us to remember it in the condition of the heart and where we are today because he's still speaking very much the same things. Very much, I keep telling you, it's the same story that happens over and over and over again in a different time through a different people. And... That's where my heart has been for the last several days. Um, and then, you know, so uh, I prepare the word. And for me, it works a lot better if I take notes and uh, remember what he's spoken to me through, through the times that I'm seeking him because I just can't remember all the things. And then I try to organize my notes in some flow that makes sense so you guys don't think I'm completely a wacko uh, and that it does us some good, uh, some understanding and revelation. Um, and so I had all of that into, there's usually six or seven pages and I reduce it down to maybe two or three. And then I had a pretty good night, um, you know, probably similar to Debbie's, um, you know, if I can get a few hours a night sleep, that's a good thing. Um, and then, you know, I wake up at four o'clock, uh, and the Lord is speaking something very different. Oh my gosh. And he says, well, you know, I'm speaking something different. Kind of, kind of like, uh, when Abraham took Isaac and he's going to offer him on the altar. How real and tangible that was. But then in the middle of it all, he changes and says, now wait a minute. Now I know. Now I know. And so that's kind of what he did to me this morning on a much less serious scale than Isaac. And so thankfully, I wake up around 4 or 5 o'clock and... Um, I said, how, how, so what are you going to do? I mean, I, and he said, all you got to do is listen. That's all you have to do. So this message may be a little, um, doesn't flow as well uh, as some of the other ones, but um, that's my heart and uh, trying to walk by the Spirit. 
been a Christian for 30 years, but I'm still learning to hear his voice and to respond in a way that pleases him. Because if it's not his message, if it's not his heart, if it's not something born of the Spirit, then it's just a message. Amen? You know, the Corinthians were dealing with life decisions uh, in their day as well, and they were dealing with um, the error of the word that people were walking through. And um, they were trying to justify their actions to somehow line up what they perceived to be the correct religion, right? The correct doctrine. And it was a mixture of sin and religion that often is a very toxic recipe for disaster, right? And Jesus said, or, or in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, says you're, they were glorying. And it says, your glorying is not good. Do you, know, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, it says, to purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with a measure of bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus also dealt with the selfish places of the soul that people were looking to be comfortable in. And he said in Luke chapter 12, 1 and 2, In the meantime, when an innumerable number of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, so they were coming to Jesus, and the multitudes and the hundreds and the thousands were there. But it wasn't a regard for the brother and the sister. It wasn't a regard for the people around them. It was about me. I want to be there. And they were trampling each other. And he began to say his disciples first. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You know, in other words, he said, be careful how you're going to build. Be careful what you're going to believe in. Be careful on the things that you're going to pursue as truth. There is a religion on the earth that is like the Pharisees. And he said to be careful of that. Be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And actually, in other places, he said of Herod. In other words, the governments of the land, the governments and the, the places of the earth that had a form of religion, but no power to change anything or make a difference in any place. The Pharisees means they were separated ones, and they refused to interact with common people, believing that they were separated unto God. 
Jesus described them as religious frauds who loved money and want and wanted to be the final authority in all doctrine that were taught to the people. They weren't priests, but they were zealots, they were law keepers. And they wanted their interpretation of the scriptures and the word of God to be the standard for everyone else. He said, Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be. And beware of the leaven. Beware of the hypocrisy. The Sadducees, on the other hand, were wealthy aristocrats. They're just wealthy people with a political connection to Rome at that time. And they positioned themselves as, I'm better off than you because I have connections in high places. They believed that, they, they didn't believe in the afterlife, they didn't believe in the spirit, they didn't believe in angels or demons, they didn't believe in any of that. They put their trust in things of natural authority, natural governments, natural places by which they could say, because of that, I am justified. So we have the Sadducees and the Pharisees playing out in religious arenas in, the, in that day. And Jesus comes along and he said, I don't want my people to be like that. I want you to be careful in how you think. I want you to be careful in what you believe to be truth. I want you to understand the spiritual principles that they themselves don't even understand. Hypocrisy is practicing and claiming to have a moral standard of belief which, it, which one's own behavior does not conform to. So they had a standard. They had the laws. They had their own belief systems of which they required everyone else to submit to their understanding of what they wanted truth to be. And I'm asking today, do you see this playing out in the earth today? In every place imaginable. Jesus said, don't be like that. When hypocrisy is mixed with pride, it's a spirit that constantly looks for and identifies the failures of others Believing that somehow you're better off than them. You have more knowledge. You're smarter. You have exclusive hotline to the throne of God. You don't receive any correction. It doesn't matter what other people think. You're an island unto yourself. Jesus said, don't be like that. That's not who I am. Throughout the New Testament, God... God symbolizes leaven. He calls out leaven, and he associates with leaven with sin. And he said, in the seven days of unleavened bread, he wanted us to be careful about what we are pursuing. 
He called it a feast to be kept throughout all generations. And we're supposed to be looking at our belief system and looking at our foundation and looking at the things that we consider truth. And we're supposed to be considering that in the presence of God to see if the two agree with each other. So when you think about what God said, to search out the leaven, he said, search out the leaven and make sure there's no leaven in your house, right? And at that time, when they were coming out of Egypt, they didn't have time to have the bread rise. They didn't have time to leaven the dough and let it sit. It was in haste. They had to move. Passover came, and it was some hours not days or weeks. And if you didn't move at that time, then you stayed in Egypt. And they waited for, for 400 years for a time of deliverance and a time where the Spirit of God came over and performed something so supernatural they didn't know how it was going to unfold. But they knew on that day that those events were taking place within hours. And they didn't have time to prepare meals and suppers. And on that day, God told them that there is going to be a difference between my people and all the people of the rest of the world. There's going to be a tangible sign that no one can deny. And for those that accepted the blood and placed this and accepted the sacrifice and place the blood on the doorposts. Those were the ones where the death angel passed over. Those were the ones who didn't experience the judgment of heaven. Everyone else, including the animals, including the sheep and the oxen, he said all of the firstborn died. Can you imagine if that happened in Lebanon and West Lebanon and Hartford Village and Quichi today? So when, we, when, when God says, make sure that you hold this feast as a memorial to what has been done, we need to understand that God is still God. He's still a deliverer. He's still the one who is giving instructions He's still the one that speaks to our hearts, to our minds, to the situations that we're in. Search out the leaven. Look for anything that rises up on its own, like pride and self-reliance. Rising agents that puff up the natural man, promoting a lie that man has really no need of God. And you can find your own way in whatever you decide to do. The leaven of today is denying God and somehow convincing yourself and convincing the world that there really is someone in control and you just need to submit to that. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They were asking, if we're supposed to ignore all of that, all of the news media and all of the reports that so flood the atmosphere in wherever you're at, if you're supposed to ignore what the, uh, <coughs> the social community is, is proclaiming, what the governments are saying, if you're supposed to ignore that and place no trust in it, and place no assurance in it that tomorrow is going to be a better day. And what do we believe in? That was what Peter was asking. Where is the kingdom of God? Where is the power of God? Where is the Son of God that's prophesied to come? And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, has revealed to you who the Son of God is. In Matthew, we have parables that Jesus spoke, and his disciples were often frustrated at Jesus telling parables and kind of riddles. And they came to him and said, why do you do that? Why can't you just tell us like it is? Why can't you just plain English? And he said, the, the short answer was because not everyone is given to know the truth. They have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. They have eyes to see, but they still cannot see. Some wise man once said, there is none so blind as those who have eyes, but still cannot see. And Jesus said, the word that I'm preaching is not for everyone. He says it's for those who have been set aside by my Father and have the destiny and the seed that is within them. Therefore, whoever, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them, he is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. So, what does that mean? Are we supposed to go out and build structures of houses and, and barns and, and communities and on and on and on, and only places that we're supposed to build are on ledge and rock and foundation? Because he said there's a storm coming. He said there is an event coming at some point in time which you know not of 
that is going to test that which you have built. And are we supposed to make sure that we build with iron and steel and the skyscrapers and the events, the place, our own homes? Are we supposed to, is that what he meant? When Jesus said, make sure that you there's no leaven in your house, did he mean the natural house? He did at the time because that is presented in a way that they could understand it. But the parable in our day has another meaning. Jesus was talking about the underlying foundation, the part of the structure that everything else rests on, the part that if it moves, the entire rest of the structure is compromised, fragile, unable to hold the weight of the trials of life that Jesus said must come. So now we can begin to understand that the parable isn't talking about a natural building. Though when we built this building, there were heavy equipment that needed to come in because there was ledge in the greatest part of the, of the foundation that had to be removed. We couldn't blast it because of the other structures nearby. It had to be, uh, it had to be um, taken out by heavy equipment by hammers, by equipment that took a long time. When I have blasted ledge years ago, you spend time drilling very small holes, and then you pack it with an explosive, and then on top of that, you put sand and gravel to seal the hole so the explosion goes horizontal and not vertical. But this house, when we built this part of the building, there was ledge. Ledge is difficult to deal with. Usually when there's ledge, builders will often decide to build somewhere else because it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy to build there. It takes time. It takes a great deal of resources. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of money and time to deal with that. For the first two weeks, there was heavy equipment in this area, all over this area, trying to deal with the ledge to remove it so we could get it flat. So we can apply the word of God to this sanctuary. We can also apply it to this sanctuary. Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that the foundation that you have built your faith on is going to be tested? He said that there are winds and rains that are going to come. And if your faith is built on something of which Jesus said to put no trust in, if it's built in that, then Jesus said there's going to be a tremendous loss. That's what he said. Jesus was saying that your core beliefs are so critical that they must be an immovable foundation that you believe that, that everything else that you believe is built on. That's the foundation that's being built in your life. 
by the master builder. Things like faith in the word of God. Christ himself revealed the, the revealed truth that Christ himself has given you personally. If you're building your faith on the hope that tomorrow is going to be a better day because wars and rumors of wars are going to end and we can go back to the kind of blessed environment where it isn't gas isn't $5 a gallon, if that's your hope, I have bad news for you. You're going to suffer a terrible loss. If your hope is based on the revelation that comes through the light of the intimacy with Christ, that kind of foundation will endure every single storm that you would ever experience. The house built on the sand is the reliance of everything else. Everything. The governments who the government to supply your need. It's a human work that accomplishes what you think is salvation. It's a work that is done without faith. Reliance on someone else's authority and leveraging relationships and greed and self-promotion. It's the one that chooses to walk in their own strength and their understanding and denying the spiritual realm and the true authority God himself gave you. That's the house built on the sand. It's not easy. It's oftentimes, I've found in my life, it is so much easier to build where the ledge isn't. It's a lot easier to build on sand. It's a lot easier to build in clay. It's a, because you can do things to the sand and you can do things to the clay to make it hold the structure that you're going to put on top of it. But it's a man-made answer to what God said will not stand. It's a place of pride and hypocrisy. There's another parable that he talked to me about this morning. In Matthew 25, 1 through 13, he said, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened. So again, he's talking about, don't trust in that, Peter. Peter, all that you see, he's looking at the temples and he's looking at the magnificent thing that took 40 years to build. Thousands of people and slaves and on and on and on. Isn't this amazing? He said, Peter, don't look at that. The things that you might be trusting in today, don't look at that. Your job. Are you securing your job because the paycheck comes every single week? And you just know that as long as you keep working, all your needs are taken care of. And that's where you put your trust? Is your job the thing that sustains you? Maybe it's your retirement account. I've worked for 40 years, and now I've finally gotten to a place where I'm able to rest a little bit and do the things I want to do. Oh, let's put a religious spin on it so that I can serve God better. 
folks, that's building on the sand kind of thinking. Jesus said, that kind of thinking will not stand. In this other parable, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took the oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Verse 6, And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for, the, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No lest there should not be enough for you and me. Wait a minute. Are they Christians? You're supposed to give up some things you had if your brother has need. You're supposed to participate as a community of believers for the benefit of all. But Jesus, out of Jesus' own mouth, said, this parable is like the kingdom of heaven. Give us some of yours, but the wise said no, lest there should not be enough for both you and me. But rather go and gather from those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. After the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't even know who you are. You see, there's going to be a time when Jesus returns and many will want to have these, the experience of salvation, but it will be too late. So if you're one of the people who are building a house that is saying in your heart, I'll wait until... A little more time goes by. I'll wait a little while longer so that I can do my thing before I go and give myself to the Lord. If that's your thinking, that's building on the, on the sand kind of thinking. It doesn't work. It's destined for failure. Watch, therefore... For you know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. You see, the ones who built this house on the rock is also the one who stays prepared in his heart. This can only be accomplished by walking and maintaining a place in the Spirit, a place of humility. It's a place of meekness. But at the same time that it requires you to maintain a place of humility, it can also be an aggressive tenacity, choosing not to be denied and to never give up. Some of you are thinking this is a hard message. I wish I could have heard about the Passover lamb and the... <laughs> Seven days of and the miracles and and I'd rather give you that kind of message. By the way, 
You see, you've got to understand that you're buying oil right now. You've got to understand it's expensive and the cost that it is costing you. What do you value more? Something that you paid a hundred bucks for or something that was free that had no cost? I tend to value the things that I worked really hard to get to be more valuable and to endure. The things that I'm given at no cost to me that somebody else didn't really want, I don't consider those things as valuable, as priceless. Now, the things that I work for and the things that I struggle for and the things that I have experienced pain and suffering for, those are the things that I consider more priceless. You've got to, look, you've got to see yourselves as you're buying oil right now. You've got to see yourselves as those five virgins who were prepared. You could be doing anything you want today. Some people went to the beach. Some people went to shopping. Some people are home. Some people are asleep. It's, it's, it's a million things you could have been doing. But you chose to come to Praise Chapel and to participate with a family in worshiping God and to hear a message. You need to understand that's how you buy the oil. That's how you build on the rock. That's how you strengthen a foundation and a belief system and a faith system that endures every single trial. Otherwise, when trials come, where do you go? What do you believe in? Every time you go to a Bible study, every single time you go to a prayer meeting, every time you lock yourself in your own room and pray, every time you read his words, every time you seek his face, every time you have a spiritual dream, that's building on the rock of Jesus Christ. That is buying oil. That is, that is participating in an anointing, in a favor, in an overshadowing of heaven. That is participating in an open heaven where your heart is connected to him and a transference takes place and you become stronger and you become more resolute and your resolve gets more absolute. That's the place of where you're buying the oil. So when the trial comes, those virgins that didn't have the extra oil, they didn't spend time in the prayer. They didn't spend time studying his word. They didn't spend time with the family of God. They spent time doing something else of which Jesus said, that's not going to be beneficial. The amazing thing that I found in my life is that we're many people here. Two people can attend the exact same event. Two people can attend the same event and come away with such dramatic different results. Oh my gosh. The one who comes 
with an open heart, seeking truth, who's grateful, who's walking in humility, has rejected pride, often goes away with more oil in the lamp. Often goes away with the foundation of the built on the rock is a little taller. It's coming up out of the soil, and it's beginning to take on a structure and a foundation that would last. Jesus said forever. But the one who comes, the other person who comes, tends to hear the message and categorize it. I know this because I've I've done it. (laughs) Maybe you have too. I've heard a message and I've categorized it. Oh, that's for this person. I'll take that because that's good and I really like that promise of Christ. I'm going to apply that to my life and claim that. Oh, I sure hope my brother is listening to that message because that one's for him. Maybe I need to nudge him a little bit to make sure he's paying attention. That person is building their house in the exact same event, with the exact same message, the exact same experience. The impartation was there. The anointing was there. Everything in heaven was prepared. But why are there different? Because the condition of the heart was so dramatically different. And so in the exact same setting, you have one building on the rock and you have another one building on the sand. So just because you attend church, just because you attend a Bible study, just because you attend a prayer meeting, doesn't mean automatically that they're building on the rock. So what does all this mean for today? you're going to still continue to go through difficult trials. Jesus said the trials must come. They must. I wish he didn't say that. I wish he found some other way to say it. But Jesus said, I will build my house. You know, for the past several weeks, I've been lamenting over the multitude of individuals who have come and gone through this family. And I've struggled with the people who have left because of an offense, the people who have left because of some trial that they were going through that they decided, this isn't for me. Not tens, not hundreds, many hundreds Some of the people that came, the prophecies over their life were such that the governments of this region were going to rest on their shoulders. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Governments of this region to rest on one individual and to have that kind of anointing and that kind of call, that kind of experience in Christ Jesus in an open heaven That kind of ability to reason and think and remember and apply the principles of God. To be able to apply his heart. 
to reach people in a way that people before him couldn't. Such an anointing and such a favor. And he chose to walk away from it and curse this house for years. Breaks my heart to see that kind of valuable investment that Christ made into an individual and the individual chooses to walk away with it and to pursue something else. But you've chosen to stay. You've chosen to walk when others said, what's the use? You have decided to nourish your soul with the bread from heaven that comes from trusting in his word. You have got to see yourself as among the believers of overcomers. That's a work that only Christ can do. You're not an overcomer because I said you were. You're an overcomer because the word declares you are. Not even because you've made some right decisions or have somehow just been lucky. No, you're the children of Israel. You're the children of the heavenly king. Of when the children of Israel came out from Egypt, there was a transfer of ownership. They were enslaved to the king of Egypt on one day for hundreds of years. And they suffered violent things because of it. But on that day, they were transferred into the kingdom, into the heavenly king and the authority of Christ Jesus. And coming out of Egypt, he said, I want you to remember this day for the generations to come. Because he's still doing the same work in a different people in a different time. And I want you to somehow understand that. It's not because you appeared to be strong or smart. It's not because you were born of some kingly priesthood of some Saudi Arabian king. It's not because you know the Bushes or the Clintons or the Bidens or anybody in a place of natural authority. That is building on sand. It comes down to who you trust and who you reach out to in every trial. Every place of depression, every place of fear, every place of bondage, the word of God comes to set you free. That's building on the rock. So in closing, I'm going to remind you that the day that we're in, I'm going to remind you of the two goats. There were two goats. One was a scapegoat. One took on all of the sins of Israel and was let go. Now I'm going to remind you of Revelations 21 as I close. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, as God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying. There shall be no more pain. The former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words, for they are faithful and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, in other words, those who have built their house on the sand, murderers, sexual immoral people, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Folks, I so much want you to understand that you are among the overcomers and that is precious and it's valuable. And in these days when we're looking at the leaven and we're identifying the sin, we might feel as though we have no value. We might feel as though there's no hope. But remember, a divine power came from heaven and delivered Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And Jesus said, Peter, on this rock, I, I alone, no one else, will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so that's the message that I want you to be thinking about this week. As he woke me up at 7, at 4 o'clock this morning and said, the message you had for the last 4 or 5 days was great. Um, it's a good message. This is the one that I have for the family of Praise Chapel today. Amen? Amen? Beautiful shot. It's amazing. We're all getting trained up. Yes. You sure may. struggling <laughs> these last weeks, but I have been receiving gifts that I never thought would happen, and this poem I wrote 
um, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I, it's titled Fitting In. Don't try to fit in with sinners. You are an overcomer. You are made for something greater. You are a child of the light. You are a redeemer meant for assisting the redemption of others. As Jesus said, he was the great I am. You are who you are. Use your gifts. Speak your truths. Love your life, no matter the thorns or the things of the past that attempt to re-enter your thoughts. Cast them down. You are worthy. You are loved. Seek praise. Employ honor. Provide judgment without condemnation. Give love and receive love, but most of all, worship and pray unending as you fit in God's world. Bring others out of the darkness and into the light of the world, as in God's world, we all hold a piece of the bigger picture. We fit. We fit. We fit. Praise God. Hallelujah. That was a declaration in that. There was conviction in that. Father, let that go out into the realm of the Spirit to each and every one of us. Well, for all of those that come with us this morning, thank you for persevering with the sound. And hopefully uh, Ben was able to identify uh, apparently what partly has taken place is Facebook has gone over to the metaverse. And so it's changing all of our, well, many of our settings now for the, yes. Sure, come on up, yeah. So we're going to work through that, and we're going to overcome the obstacles of what's trying to take place. Um, my older sister, Sheena, in the last several years has been in and out of the hospital. She had uh, cerebral hemorrhage, and then they operate on a tumor. Um, in the last mo few months, she's had many TIAs and... Um, she kept to herself that she had uh, has breast cancer in the last several months. I spoke to her doctor a few months ago, and and she said if Sheena would have heart surgery, um, she'd possibly survive. She refused it, and two weeks ago, my sister Lori uh, was coming down to take her out to lunch, and uh, we found out that. Uh, she was put on hospice. So I went to visit her. My second visit uh, was last week when my sister Lori came down. And um, over the years, uh, if we had any family event, on the way home, I'd share with Sheena, you know, you really should think about, uh, she'd ask me, are you going to church? And I said, yes, you should really think about what, and I'd tell her what I believed in. and. Um, it's very simple, you know, you could ask Jesus in your heart, he'll forgive your sins, and she'd say, yeah, I'll do it when I get home. Um, so, the other day when my sister went out, to, my sister Lori went out to get her something to eat, I was in the kitchen and God said, it's time, go sit next to her. She wanted to watch a soap opera. And uh, I said, Sheena, remember what I talked to you about all those years on the way home and she kind of looked a little like okay here we go um, and she had a little anger you know resistance but um, she said well 
I said, Sheena, it's really time. God wants you. He, it's your time now. And she said, but I'm Protestant. I go, that's okay. It's okay. Um, so she, the sinner's prayer, and I could see that she really believed it, and she received it, and she smiled. Yes. And over the years, you know, um, it was many years ago, in 89, when I asked the Lord in my heart, and for several years I said, please, God, don't take my sisters. Don't take my sisters before me. I can't. And I prayed for each and every one of them that they would receive, and each one, uh, when we grew up with a very stubborn Irish Catholic, I mean, not Irish, not Catholic, Irish-Scottish mother, and um, they were all so stubborn. They said, yeah, I'll do it when I get home. They all said the same thing, I'll do it when I get home. But each and every one has. And Lord, we thank you for Sheena, and we just ask you, Father, to overshadow her now. Father, to send ministering angels to strengthen her, and Father, just continue to be uh, revealing yourself to her and your love, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, did we already close? I'm sorry? Okay, well then, for all of you, blessings. Uh, let's see, we have the Feast of Passover coming up. Is it the 14th through the 23rd, I think it is? So, prepare, prepare, prepare. I'm sorry? The 16th through the 23rd. That's right, seven days. 16 and 7 is 23, right, John? So for all of you, <laughs> blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes.